Hey everybody, I am David Garbett, and you are joining us for another episode of O2 and You. And I'm very excited today about my guest. Um, if I had a title for today's episode with uh, Daylene, it would be The Life of a Super Organizer. Um, Daylene Redhorse, Yate, and welcome to O2 and You. Great to have you here. Yeah. Yeah, hey, David and everybody else. Um she Daylene Red Horse Yen Um as she in Shlong has answered as she's chain Kinsichini that she chain Dolatorichini that she that's how we introduce ourselves in Navajo. Awesome. Thank you. And what did you what'd you tell us? I just told you my name and that I come from the Red Bottom Clan, born for the Yaka Fruit Clan. Maternal grandparents being Red House Clan and paternal grandparents are the Yaka Fruit Clan. Awesome, cool. Um, we've got a lot to cover in 30 minutes. So um, I, I have met, uh, Daylene and, and Tara a number of times, and they're part of this, uh, what I would call an all-star cast of organizers with Rural Utah. And you've been there with the organization, Rural Utah Project, you've been there with the organization from kind of the get-go. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, Rural Utah Project. What is the goal of the organization? Why do you exist? Um, we live in a county where Navajo Nation in is underrepresented. So we just kind of go out there and let people know we try to help residents go out to either voice their opinion. Um, just trying to put, you know, Navajo, Navajos on the make them part of the county. So that's basically what we do and what we're doing was going out to register for people to vote back in 2018, which was when I started. And from there, we just kind of started going with um, different projects like addressing, physical addressings, because we don't have um, street names or, you know, house numbers. We don't live on one street. It's a pretty rural area. I want to jump into the addressing project here in a minute because um, it's one of the really impressive and novel things that, that you've done with the Rural Utah Project. But tell me about why is it that you joined Rural Utah Project? What was it that was so interesting about their mission to engage voters in San Juan County, to engage Navajo voters that made you want to come do this? Well, when I was growing up, I knew how important it was to my dad or to my parents. You know, they'd always sit there late at night to watch how the, the elections, the outcome of the elections. So I knew it was important. I knew that, you know, we had to change that. Your vote could change a lot of things or that that was one way you could voice your opinion. So when I went out just one day Tara Benali came up to me and asked if I wanted to join the team just to go out and register people to vote. And then I thought, you know, 
code at this buddy and they say here register the vote you know i really didn't think anything of it but i was willing to so as i've gone out to talk to people a lot of people were um hesitating to vote because they didn't think their vote mattered they didn't think they were counted they didn't think you know the government the u.s everybody didn't you know they thought they didn't even exist but I talked to a lot of residents. I made sure, I reassured them that their vote would, would be counted. Um, you know, I just went up to someone and I told them, hey, I came to visit you. I came to your house. I came to your doorstep, got your registration, got to talk to you face to face. So that should reassure you that, you know, you're going to count that somebody is going to do something about it. So, which is basically what Tara and I did. Um, a lot of times, you know, you get that response, like, why, why would it matter? Even if I voted, what changes is going to happen? You know, the president don't know we exist. Even San Juan County don't know we exist, you know, type of things. So I went ahead and we, we started to, you know, try to draw people in by letting them know, by trying to reassure them that they were going to, that their vote would count, that they would, um, that we would make sure the registration was brought into the county clerk's office, which is what we did. We drove to Monticello, drop off the, the forms and everything to make sure it was handed to the clerk. So after the election in 2018, the local newspaper, San Juan Record, had put up an article stating that there was this many amount of voters. There was this, you know, this is how many new registered voters came out. This is how many. So there was actually a number printed in that newspaper. It was, it was over 1,600. So that kind of, I went back out and told people, see, your vote does count. So I kind of showed yeah. them that, you know, we were in our job, that we were here, you counted. And so that was basically what we did. And that's how we got people to to come out and vote. And then now it's like, when you see, or when we see that one person that we have visited at home, they would ask us, when is the election? Where can I vote? How can I, how do I know if I'm still, you know, how often do I need to register? So- And Daylene, you know, can I just, kind of oh, sorry. I just wanted to ask you really quickly. I don't want to skip over something that I think was really important that you said. You registered 1600 new voters in San Juan County out of- We registered old. Yeah, over 1,600 new voters Did, in San so, Juan County. I mean, they how probably many, were already registered, but I... How many How many voters in San Juan County? I don't know the numbers exactly. I mean, I'm guessing <laughs> that you registered 20% of the, the electorate or more. I would assume. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more. I mean, especially when, you know, we we don't even know what happens to our votes. You know, like I was yeah. just as puzzled as people who are registered. But now as I was getting into it, I made sure those forms got to the clerk's office. <laughs> well, that's I, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I just that was a really important number that you pointed out. And I think it would be easy for us to to miss the significance of that. And um that's really that's really impressive. So I I'm sorry uh, if you you had a few more thoughts to finish. No, I think you cut me off at the at the okay. Time I was again, sorry about that. You know, San Juan County. Um, 
in in 2018 saw some pretty significant changes and there's a lot going on in the story there uh there are some you know there were some legal battles in san juan county and and a lot that has taken place um and we'll focus on in our discussion today about your work in organizing and you know how you go about doing that what makes for effective organizing what are some of the unique challenges that you face in San Juan County and on the Navajo Nation. Um, but I just think we should mention that to, for those that are watching or listening that don't know all the backstory. You know, among other things, San Juan County for uh, years had been, even though its uh, population is majority Navajo, had been represented on the uh, county commission um, by majority Anglo commissioners. So we hadn't seen that translate into actual political representation in the county. And that was um, part of that was because of structural reasons and a federal court had found that um, county commissioner, county commission districts there were gerrymandered um, to unfairly exclude Navajo voters. And that was fixed into the lead up of this, this election. Um, and then we had this really incredible work that we're going to talk more about of, of organizing and taking advantage of these improvements that led to more democracy. Um, but just think it's, you know, I just wanted to note for people what a difference uh, we've seen, a big change we've seen in San Juan County um, just recently. And, you know, that that obviously plays out in, and we won't go into all of this, into to policy differences, the way that the county's funding uh, rural roads, giving services to um, specifically the Navajo, Navajo Nation that maybe hadn't been there before. Um, you know, obviously a big one is the county's um, support for Bears Ears. Um, so it's made a it's made a big difference. And um, one of the things that you mentioned that you did in light of this new context in the lead up to 2018, as you were trying to register new voters, was the rural addressing project uh, that you gained a lot of notoriety for. Tell us about that. Why did you need a rural addressing project? Um, don't people just have a, a street number and uh, name in front of their door and why does their address even matter? Well, um, as you know, to vote, you have to be you have to vote in a certain district you live, live in. And being such a rural area and with county clerks not familiar with Navajo Nation, just whatever physical address we were using, we've turned that, you know, we've given it to them. They probably just pinned us. However, according to that directions they've seen on our um, physical addresses. Like for instance, when I went to check mine, um, I was placed like 13, 14 miles from where I live, which put me in a different district. So when I voted, I was actually voting in the wrong district. So we came up with, I mean, as we're doing this voters registration drives back then, we noticed a lot of people as they were coming in, they were being pinned in the wrong residence, like in the wrong area where there's no structure, <laughs> which, you know, sadly I was placed next to a sewer pond and that was crazy. But <laughs> from that point on, I think we basically focused on trying to put everybody's homes in the correct area, in the right place. So we, um, one of our de deputy director, Drew, had met a guy who does Google Maps and he 
had this project going in Calcutta, which was a very rural area where they were addressing people using the um, GPS codes and they have shortened that to six digits and that's called a plus code. So that's what we use out here on the reservation. So we've teamed up with them. I went out back maybe March of last year or maybe February, middle of February, we started going out and doing structure surveys. We went around from um, Colorado State Line down to Navajo Mountain. We visited every structure in the Utah side. And we just determined which houses were residential, which were sheds, which were shade houses and stuff. So we turned that in. And each one of them had, were given a number, a plus code. They were given a, a little plaque that we placed on homes. So that's what we were going back out to do. And as we were informing people of their plus codes of where they live, we were also re-registering them or updating their voters registration using these plus codes as a physical address, which will place them in the right district when they come when it comes to voting. And um, so that's what we were doing. We were in the middle of that when this whole um, pandemic shutdown happened. So we're, we're, we're maybe a fourth of the reservation then of Utah side, not Arizona. Okay, so you've made it through a quarter of just the Utah side of the reservation, which is just a small part of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So but it's basically, pretty you're basically dropping a Google pin um, for the elections office for addresses or any purpose that can be posted up on the, the door. Yes. So it is, it's used for, I mean, to know where you live. And then it's also got its other purpose, like EMS, fire department, law enforcement response. Um, vehicle registration, driver's license, um, hoping we start getting postal services and stuff. So it's got its advantages. That's really cool. So not only did you, did this make it possible to get people registered and registered in the right location, but you had all of the spillover effect to now, if they ever have to call for an ambulance, the ambulance actually knows where to go and doesn't spend 10 minutes looking for them, 15 minutes looking for them or longer. Yes, which is really what we needed. Yeah, cool. Tell me a little bit more about, because I know, you know, obviously this has been um, a challenge across the country and in elections everywhere. How do you deal with COVID? How do you deal with engaging and, and activating voters when, you know, most of your work is face-to-face -face and having conversations at a time when that's become more risky or impossible. How are you responding to that in your work now? We're doing um, drive-by voters registration where, you know, we go up to the vehicle with our PPEs, of course, and um, we try to inform and make sure we wear our masks as well, which is, you know, something I advise every human beings, every, everyone on the United, in the United States or in the world to wear masks. But um, yeah, we go out, people just drive through our little drive um, voters registration. We just give them the forms. In some cases, we'll try to 
you know, figure out exactly where they live from a distance. You know, we'll have our um, tablets out and they try to pin where we drop a pin on it, give them the codes and that's what they'll um, in other cases, some people would call us and they would ask us for voters registration. We would mail them to them and, you know, they're very compliant. They'll mail them back in to us. So that's how we were doing. That's how we're trying to get people registered to vote. How do you advertise your drive-by uh, registration locations or do you just set up in a place that's popular with people? Um, we have radio ads through our local Navajo radio stations like the one out of Farmington or Winderock. So they advertise that we're out um, at different locations on different days. And so what's getting people to decide now's the time to register or they're, you know, they're ready to seek you out and come do that? I mean, look at what we're going through now. People are noticing what we're going through now. And it's, you know, it's time for anybody can see that. Anybody <laughs> can we need, we need a change. And, you know, the vote's going to count. And like I've done, drive out there, convince people to come out to vote. You know, if they're hesitant, <laughs> I just sit there and wait until I get a okay, I will vote type of response, then I will move on to the next person. But um, yeah, I mean, what we're facing, I'm sure people would want to change. And people have to vote. They have to vote. They have to voice their opinion. And I make sure, or I just go out and tell people, you know, your vote actually going to count. Your vote is actually how you're going to express your opinion, is ex exactly how you're going to participate to change yeah well it's it's interesting and um you know i've wondered about this because we're talking to voters all the time and and frequently i'll talk to people that say oh you know i don't bother and it often seems like what you were saying in your case you encounter two people saying you know my voice doesn't matter my vote doesn't matter and the response of not voting certainly doesn't seem to be helping their voice or their vote matter. How do you help them get over that hurdle? How do you help them see that connection? Um, is there anything in particular to make that switch or is it just showing up? And like you said, you staying there giving them the sad day lean face until they relent and sign that voter <laughs> registration. Well, let me go back. <laughs> I've, I've encountered some, um, some people who it was a negotiation thing. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. you want me to fill that out? You're going to have to take a cat or a dog, a kitten or a pet. <laughs> and what did I do? I ended, up, I ended up with puppies. I ended up with cats. And so, you know, that, that was a way I gaining those voters registration. But another thing I was using, you know, like this morning, I had someone just flat out tell me, I don't want to vote. I'm not voting. And my first response was, how important is your grandkids to you? Mm. You know, would you want your grandkids to live in what we're living in now rather than what we grew up in? I mean, it wasn't the best, but at least we had the freedom to run around and, you know, do whatever we could 
it's not safe. It wasn't safe, but we got to sit in back of a vehicle and go to town. You know, they made that change. But wouldn't you want your grandchild to enjoy childhood? Wouldn't you want your grandchild to live that, you know, perfect life? Wouldn't you want that for your grandchildren? So, you know, he was like, okay, I'll, I'll go down and vote because we had a look, um, an early voting site here in our town. So they went to drive down and I got my ballot there and I seen him drive away from that area. So I know I've done something, I've convinced him. So that's another way I, you know, I tried to look into the future and think about their grandchildren because I do, mm. you know, I, I would want a better life for my grandchildren too. I want my children, my grandchildren to matter. I want my, you know, I want Navajos to then that people to be recognized, to have the say in today's world. So is that, you know, for people that want to um, do what you're doing and be successful at engaging those who feel disenfranchised or those who haven't participated to, to help bring change, is that, I mean, is that the thing you find most effective? Is this just one of the tools you use trying to to appeal to their, you know, their sense of obligation to their kids or to their grandkids or to groups that they really care about, that they identify with. Um, is that the most successful way to do it? Or are there other, other techniques that you use as well to get people to, to register? I bring back the 2018 results, you know, of how they had numbers, how they had you know, how many people they actually counted, how many people were regist new registers to vote, and then how many people came out to vote. So I bring that up and I always tell them, you know, the votes do count, they are counted. And this is, you know, this, this has got to be proof to you. And then um, just reminding them of what we went through today. You know, this isn't something we went through, you know, three, four years ago. Maybe it wasn't as good, but it wasn't this bad, I would think. I mean, that, that's what I try to tell residents that's why it's so important to go out and vote, you know, that they have to voice their opinions. It's, uh, you know, I just I have to express again some jealousy over your great work in 2018 and what a difference it must make to show up at doors and show people, see what a difference. I mean, you've, they've been able to see huge changes in San Juan County because of your great work. I certainly can imagine that that makes it a lot harder to say, ah, oh, it doesn't matter if I show up or not because they can see that it does. And I mean, this is part of the message in conversations that I have with people all the time that, um, you know, I think it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that elections, whoever votes in an election in a given year, it's always a representative sample of what the full population wants. And we know it's not. We know that oftentimes elections are all about who actually shows up. And the more we can do um, to get people engaged and actually get the population to show up, the more likely it is we're gonna get those results like you had in, in 2018. Um, maybe a, a last question for you is organizing uh, is not always easy work. 
you mentioned having people tell you no, and especially when you care about them so much and you care about what you're doing and you're there to get them uh, to engage because you care about them and you love them and you wanna see your community improve. How do you deal personally with the disappointment of those that ultimately refuse or that are not, um, not willing to engage with you? Cause that's hard. I'll go back in a day. I'll go back in a week and try again. Um, and I'll, I'll continue to do my work to make sure everybody's registered to vote. This is very important to me. I think my biggest, my biggest goal is to let the nation know we, the people of San Juan County is here. This is our county too. This is our country too. You know, our, our, we're human beings. Our grandchildren are human beings. They deserve that future as well. So I'm gonna fight for that. And I'm gonna, if I, even if I have to drag people to the election site, I mean, we even drove people to the polls, the election polls to help them to vote. And if I have, you know, I, I'm gonna continue pestering the person who said they wouldn't vote and I'm gonna make them go out and vote. You know, I've, I've lost them, but after this conversation, I'm gonna get back on my phone and get a hold of them and make sure they go down to vote. So, um, <laughs> that's, so. that's my thing. That, that's, I'm, I'm not one to just give up. If I need that person to vote, I'm going to make sure they vote. So. Well, I can but see I, why I can see why you're effective. I can see why you're very good at what you do. So I guess the takeaway is one: if you need help organizing, just hire Daveen. And then two: if you can't, <laughs> don't don't give up. Uh, I mean, I say these things tongue in cheek, but it's clear that you're very passionate about what you're doing and that you care. And those are um, tough to, you know, it's tough to beat that if that's the way you come into this work. Um, yes, Daylene, I'm, I'm glad I'm on organization. I'm sure they're glad to have you. You're doing great stuff. <laughs> you know, I really appreciate you joining me here on uh, O2 Utah. I want to just quickly put in a plug for your work. If people want to learn more, they can go to uh, your website, ruralutahproject.org, or just Google Rural Utah Project to learn more about uh, Daylene's great work and, and Rural Utah Project. Um, definitely an organization I'm a big fan of, a supporter of. I would encourage you to, to do the same, to help them. Um, there are a few, uh, few people that have had bigger impact and organizations that have had more of an immediate and quick impact than Rural Utah Project and you, Daylene, and your work in, in San Juan County. And I know that's continuing um, in San Juan County, in the Navajo Reservation on the Utah side and the Navajo Reservation as a whole. And uh, no doubt you're going to continue to have significant impact with that. Um, keep up the great work. We'd love to, to have the, the sort of impact that you've had. And for those of you that are um, 
just hearing about O2 Utah for the first time, check us out. Our website is o2utah.org and we're on the socials. Um, same with Rural Utah Project. Aileen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me. Until next time, everyone. Thank you. I'm David Garbett and this is O2 and you. <laughs>